Welcome to Iron Radio. Coming up, a disappointing but inspiring finish. I've heard from, from several people, actually, a lot of like my close running friends and family were quite concerned, I think, just because of the way that I looked. But I did get received some very nice messages from them um, about just the fact of finishing, even if it's not you know, the time that you wanted. Um, and a couple people on course, too, like there was one person who in particular messaged me, I think it was on Instagram, and she said her and her daughter were at um, maybe 38 or 39K. Uh, anytime I hear that I can inspire younger people, it's really, really fantastic, and it makes me feel very good. And so it, it helps to lessen the disappointment that I get from you know finishing time or a place. Um, and she said they watched, and she said that um, it was just an example of you know if you want to be your best, you know you have to finish things despite how hard it is. So that was a really nice message to receive. Redemption for Krista Duchesne. I had a great Boston Marathon last year where I placed third, and then uh, pretty much the opposite happened this year, and I placed 46th. So this year in Boston, it was very humid, about 90% at the start, and I knew I just wasn't prepared for that, so I had to adjust and um, have a slower race. So the next day on the way home, traveling from the airport, the thought occurred to me, Ottawa, I'll do the Ottawa Marathon. So Six weeks later, I crossed the line uh, in Ottawa and was uh, second Canadian and seventh overall, I think, and just happy with my performance and how everything went. And the main thing is that I was prepared for the conditions of the day this time. A love of running leads to a lifetime of coaching. It really just started with me getting so into running when I was in high school. Uh, that's really where I caught the running bug. Even though I'd run a little bit when I was younger and I was successful sort of in elementary school, it was really in high school that the bug bit me. And I think we've all had that experience where you kind of like, wow, I'm a runner. I'm, I really want to get better at this. And as a result, I just started reading and studying and listening to anything I could about how to be better at running, and that's what I wanted to study in college. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of iRun, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. Here we are in the heart of summer, and I know you've been on the road off and on. You're always on the move with events that you go to, family stuff going on. Uh, My family and I have uh, traveled a little bit this summer. I went with my son to New York City for a few days. We watched some ball games. And uh, we've had a cottage this past week, not far from home, but still far enough away that it's kind of a different setting. And that's that's lots of fun. But it's always a challenge to get the runs in when things are different and you're off your routine. So how's that going for you this summer? I mean, I've been training pretty good. I'm pretty excited. And you know what I did? I have been away. But what I've been doing, too, is taking these opportunities, like when we go to the playground with the kids, you know, and I've got, especially this last trip, I was away with my folks and my sister. My sister's got a kid my kid's age. And, you know, so when everybody gets settled, I will just run around the park, you know. So even if I'm not doing my usual routine, but I'll, I'll get in. I'll get in what I can get in, you know. And then with my son, I'll be constantly raising him. So I keep running, and while I'm not doing it that same way that I do when I'm, you know, training on my watch and everything like that, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm still getting it in. Yeah. I I think one of the clues to how obsessive I am about running 
is how I'm able to get it in even when I am traveling with my family or I am off my routine. So, for example, last summer, my son and I went to Cooperstown, New York, to see the Baseball Hall of Fame. We had a great time there, but it was just the two of us, and he was just nine years old. So I wasn't going to leave him in the hotel room by himself uh, and go for a 45-minute run or something like that. So what I did instead is... We went outside, and he sat at a picnic table. There was a, there was kind of a green space right next to the hotel. Uh, it's you know it's, it wasn't in a hugely populated area, uh, so there was lots of space. And I basically ran around this green space and around yeah. the parking lot of the hotel. And I must have done, yeah. <laughs> you know, I probably did seven k, but it probably took me thirty laps to do it. And he sat at the picnic table, like, looking at a book or his iPad or something like that. And I got my run in, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's good for the running routine, too. I think it's good to sort of get that, you know, get that practice in. And that's always when I'm running at my best, too. Where You know, you can make it happen or not make it happen. And it doesn't have to be perfect, you know? Each one of these training runs, you know, doesn't have to be the yeah. pinnacle with your watch and your coach analyzing your gait and your your resting heart rate and all that. Sometimes you just, you know, run in some circles around the green space where your son looks at his iPad <laughs> and you just get it in, you know? Yeah. For sure. And they don't all have For to sure. be 12K at a certain pace or whatever. If you get, you know, I, I, we've talked before about Catherine Switzer, the remarkable pioneer, groundbreaking glass ceiling breaking woman's uh, runner uh, and uh, I remember talking to her and she said look you, you you get your runs in where you can you've got 20 minutes you run for 20 minutes you get 45 yeah. minutes run for 45 minutes so you know when I'm traveling with my kids uh, maybe maybe on a day when I would normally run for an hour I'm only going to run for half an hour that's okay though yeah you know there'll yeah. be other I times mean, the thing is, yeah we also have you know we have families and busy lives and wives and different things and jobs, you know all this stuff and it's like i don't want to we want to it's got to add to our lives not detract so yeah. if it gets to the point where you can't because of your amateur running can't take a vacation with your family like i don't know maybe you're doing it wrong yeah you know exactly it's a little it's a little much yeah everything's got to hey, be kept you. in the balance here right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly all right good stuff ben hope you continue to have a great summer we will talk to you next week Appreciate it, my friend. Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next, Rachel Hanna's disappointing but inspiring finish in the marathon. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the friendly marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Elite Canadian runner Rachel Hanna had high hopes for the Ottawa Marathon, but it didn't turn out as well as she hoped. In the final few kilometers, she really struggled. But that finish inspired a lot of runners and spectators who were watching. Rachel, it's great to welcome you back to I Run Radio. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So let's talk about what you were going through during the Ottawa Marathon. Uh, walk us through what what the experience was like running the race and and how you got to a point where it was a real struggle to keep going. 
Sure. Yeah, going into the race, I had pretty big expectations for myself because I'd had probably one of the best builds that I've ever had in marathon training. So I'd done the most mileage, I'd done the most long runs. But when I think back to the day and the conditions, I hadn't done any heat training. So that was the missing piece. I was extremely fit, but I probably had one run that was above maybe 15 degrees the whole training build. I did wear some extra layers on my recovery runs, but I don't think that quite prepared me. Whereas with other builds, uh, if I've had a few months and, you know, you do fall marathon, you're kind of used to it already, you're able to get through and still run a good time. Um, So maybe I didn't adjust my goal accordingly based on the conditions and the fact that I wasn't um, ready for the heat yet. Um, But I think that's what really caught up with me. And when I think back to other hot weather marathons, um, usually at about 30K, um, that's where it starts to to hurt and the pace starts to drop. And that happened uh, at Ottawa too. So I actually felt pretty smooth coming Coming through 30K, like I had a pacer, Sean Delangey, who was helping me, a friend of mine. Um, he did a really great job of pacing even, and he talked to me the whole time. And we did actually slow down. I wanted to go through half even a bit faster, but I listened to my body, and I I think we split at like just under 118. It wasn't as fast as I thought through halfway. Um, so already then, I think the heat had already started maybe to take a little bit of a toll. Um, so after 30K, that's where I already started to hurt and Sean dropped off. And uh, there was another guy actually just right in front of us. He wasn't too far. And at that point, I thought in my mind, you know, you don't get to him and he can be your new pacer because he was running a very good pace. But I couldn't quite close the small gap that he had on me. So I know that I was already starting to feel quite fatigued at that point. Um, so I just tried to hang on. And and then up to about 34, 35K. That's where it started to get really, really hard. I felt quite dizzy, and I hadn't felt like that in a marathon before. Uh, I thought it could have been a bit hydration-related. I don't think I took in enough fluids that I normally do. I was getting some stomach cramping. So although I was fueling just not quite enough, so could have been some dehydration. And then, yeah, like 35, 36K, I I had thoughts in my mind because I was – fairly mentally strong with all my training runs but I was like you know I don't I don't know if I'm gonna finish like I just had that thought that appeared and and now when I think back and I see the video of me finishing and I knew my form was breaking down because I could feel my arms were swinging funny but I had no idea I looked like that I I couldn't have uh told you that i just knew i felt bad i didn't know that i looked that bad (laughs) and just to talk about the heat for a moment rachel uh it wasn't it wasn't super hot in the sense that it wasn't like 25 27 degrees something like that uh the the temperature was technically uh i think even below 20 for most of the time you were running but it was there was something about the uh the atmosphere that day it was it was deceptively humid and sticky and i I felt that even Mm -hmm. though i wasn't running right Yes, yeah, definitely the humidity that, like, even if it's, like, a dry heat, but it's not as humid, I find that's not as bad. Like, I've been to other places when it's not been as humid and sort of get through it. So, yeah, I do think the humidity can catch up to you. Yeah. And I know Krista said the same. Like, we both ran um, Scotia one year together, and it was quite humid. And about the same temperature, actually. I think it was around 18 and, like, 100% humidity. Um, we both ran fairly well, but we'd also come through a whole summer of that. And then it was October, so right. we were used to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the difference. Yeah. So what were yeah. you actually going through in those final couple of kilometers? Because uh, you were, it looked like you were really struggling, and it looked like you were even a little bit off balance, that your your right side was really, you were favoring your right side, and, and I, I, mm-hmm. you, were, you were running very close to the side of the course as well. So you were, you were obviously mm-hmm. suffering quite a bit. 
Yeah, I didn't even quite realize, because I know, like, in my mind, intellectually, I know to run tangents and to not run on the side of the road. And, yeah. and Dave was even pointing out, he's like, you were running further. I, I think I just couldn't get my balance quite right. And, and actually, like, my right quad was more sore after, so I do uh, realize that. I had some sort of a stitch in my back, so I think that that was affecting my form even more so. So normally, I, I do look like that when I get tired and it's hot, like I start to favor one side. But this was more pronounced just because I think I had a, a back cramp and then just the fatigue of uh, not feeling great. But uh, yeah, when I saw the image, like I saw a video of me coming in and I had no idea I looked like that. Like I I knew that I felt bad, so I, yeah. <laughs> I know that I gave it my all after seeing that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I mean, you always question, you're like, did I give it 100%? And I think I did. <laughs> you left it all out there for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. did, do you think you felt better than you might uh, have appeared to spectators? Perhaps, yeah, because my form, like, my my coach, Dave, he was on the course quite a bit, and, like, he knows that sometimes my form looks like that. He was not worried about me. He knew right. I would finish. He didn't think it was, like, heat exhaustion or anything like that. So I think I looked worse than than what appears. Like, it wasn't, yeah. I knew, like, once I saw and I got to the last two kilometers that I was going to get to the finish line, I just had to slow down quite a bit. Yeah, and um, why but, was it so important yeah. to finish rather than say, you know what, this isn't my day, I'm really hurting right now, I'm, I'm just going to step off the course? Yeah, and it's it's been like a really important thing to me to, to try to finish the race as long as I'm not, like my criteria for dropping it would be if I'm physically hurt, like if a muscle yeah. is, like, you know, tearing or a bone, like something like that, I will stop, like if it's really, really bad. Um, or if I do feel like I'm going to pass out. I was just a bit dizzy and felt low blood sugar, but that's like normal end of marathon feelings. So I think I was right on that line where I was like, I know I can finish, but um, yeah, I think I just appeared to look worse. <laughs> yeah. Now, something that came to mind as I was watching you is that for uh, for many elite runners, the, the final part of the marathon course can can actually be quite uh, a lonely experience because you're if you're at the front of the pack or there is a pack uh, of course you're mm-hmm. running with other runners but if you get separated from that group uh, you know we when people sort of picture a marathon they picture the group of leaders and then they picture the throngs of amateur runners who are never alone but in the middle there mm-hmm. in between there's a group of elite runners many of whom end up running without seeing another person and I know Rude Coolset was talking about this uh, at the Ottawa Marathon as well he didn't see mm-hmm. I think he saw only one person in the last 10 or 12 K of the race. And, and that can be an element of, of the experience for you as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you don't realize the impact that that can have. And, uh, you're right. Like when you've run a certain time, sometimes there's not a lot of people nearby depending on the race. And then I think just when, but for me, like I do a lot of training by myself. So I do know how to push myself when I feel good. And like, Krista did pass me at a boat. I'm not sure exactly where. So I could have ran with her and her group because she had a couple guys around her. So that would have pulled me along to like a better time if I could have held on. But I just felt so bad at that point. I couldn't even go with her for 100 meters. So that's where I knew. I knew I just had to hang on to my own pace at that point. Um, But you're right. It can be a little bit more challenging at the end when you get tired. Yeah, and, and doesn't this tell the story of just how there are so many variables in a marathon and many of them are beyond your control? You trained really well. Mm-hmm. You were really happy with how you were coming into the race, but but there's yeah. there's a, you know, there's an element that's a roll of the dice, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of the appeal of the marathon is that it it is really hard, the training is hard and 
Um, but when you finish a marathon build, you feel quite successful. You always gain something from it. Like I know I gained a lot from this, even though it didn't reflect on the time that I wanted necessarily or the placing on the day. Um, I grew a lot stronger as a runner because I, I came off a lot higher mileage and was able to stay healthy. So I know that I can carry that into my next build. Um, but yeah, I think that's the excitement because you don't know what's going to happen come race day. Just got to give it your best. Yeah, that's the challenge as well. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so you were able to walk away from that uh, without feeling too disappointed. Then is that right? Not too disappointed. Like I'm, I was, like to be honest, I was pretty disappointed afterwards. I'm starting to come around, and always with you know more days after to reflect, you start to feel a little bit better. Um, so there's always like negatives and positives. So I try to go back and forth to make myself feel better. Um, so I think just the disappointment in the time and it not reflecting where I thought I was, which was close to PB shape. Um, I think that was the main disappointment. But then if I look at the positives, um, I finished it completely healthy. I didn't hurt anything. Um, and I also uh, placed higher than I did four years ago. So that was a positive. I think I was eighth overall, and I might have been tenth um, four years ago. So I look at that as a positive thing um, from the race. Yeah. And do you take away any lessons from that experience? Yes. Yeah, I do take away the importance of getting ready for conditions that you're about to race in so if I was to do it again I would have done some type of heat training just because I didn't like normally even if I'm not quite ready I can usually handle the heat a little bit better but it was something about that day and and perhaps it's just a little bit of a higher body weight that I'm carrying that made it a bit more difficult for me I'm still learning to run competitively at a bit of a higher body weight so I do think that was a little bit of a factor um, so I would have done more um, training runs with extra layers on uh, maybe some sauna usage or hot tubs um, I know that there was a room in um, actually in Guelph that uh, Krista was telling me about that's um, they make it into a heat chamber. I think they turn the kettle on and put a heater on, and it's a treadmill. So maybe I would have done a couple of runs on that. Um, I just didn't leading up to it because I don't usually run on treadmills, so I didn't want to introduce that new stimulus. But um, thinking forward, I think I would do that if I was going to do another spring or, or hot weather marathon. And have you heard feedback from people who watched you? Because I certainly have. Uh, I've heard from a lot of runners who saw you struggling to finish and and knowing the, you knowing how strong a runner you are and the fact that you were uh, you were hurting quite a bit and you still made it to the finish line. I think inspired a lot of people. I've heard them say that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I'm really, really glad to inspire and, and send an example. I've heard from from several people actually. A lot of like my close running friends and family were quite concerned, I think, just because of the way that I looked. But I did get received some very nice messages from them um, about just the fact of finishing, even if it's not, you know, the time that you wanted. Um, and a couple people on course, too, like there was one person who in particular messaged me, I think it was on Instagram, and she said her and her daughter were at um, maybe 38 or 39K. Uh, anytime I hear that I can inspire younger people is really, really fantastic, and it makes me feel very good. And so it it helps to lessen the disappointment that I get from, you know, finishing time or a place. Um, and she said they watched and she said that um, it was just an example of, you know, if you want to be your best, you know, you have to finish things despite how hard it is. So that was a really nice message to receive from her. Right on. Well, it's very well deserved. Yeah. Rachel, uh, I, I'm sorry Thanks. that it wasn't the outcome you wanted, but, but it was very inspiring nonetheless. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. That's elite Canadian runner Rachel Hanna. Coming up next, elite marathon runner Krista Duchesne. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? 
The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. Krista Duchesne finished third in the Boston Marathon on a cold and blustery day last year. This year, it didn't go quite as well, so she decided to run the Ottawa Marathon. Krista, welcome back to I Run Radio. Thanks for having me again. And it was great to run into you at the finish line of the Ottawa Marathon because you were so happy. You were in such a great mood after after your performance. Uh, just walk us through what happened at the Ottawa Marathon. Well, as we know, I had a great Boston Marathon last year where I placed third. And then uh, pretty much the opposite happened this year, and I placed 46th. So... This year in Boston, it was very humid, about 90% at the start, and I knew I just wasn't prepared for that, so I had to adjust and um, have a slower race. So the next day on the way home, traveling from the airport, the thought occurred to me, Ottawa, I'll do the Ottawa Marathon. So six weeks later, I crossed the line uh, in Ottawa and was uh, second Canadian and seventh overall, I think. And just happy with my performance and how everything went. And the main thing is that I was prepared for the conditions of the day this time. Now, 46th place. I mean, uh, we can be glass half empty or glass half full about that. 46th place in Boston uh, is still a pretty good result. Uh, considering, uh, and we've told your story before, the first time you ran the Boston Marathon was an, as an amateur runner, just like me or anybody else, right? That's right. So I think... More realistically, I would have placed this year, you know, maybe 20th. Right. Third was a bit, you know, unexpected, and then 46th was also unexpected. (laughs) But the way I saw it was I was prepared for last year with the cold and the rain and everything else, whereas that was unexpected for the others, and they weren't prepared for those conditions. So then this year when it was warm and humid, you know, that works well for the East Africans and a lot of the elite females that are from the southern U.S. states, but I trained in minus 30 in Ontario all winter and just wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, and and uh, that's that's a big part of it, isn't it? You don't know what you're going to get on race day, and the conditions can be a big factor, and they are beyond your control. Right. It's it's a real it's a tricky one because typically you do about two marathons a year, and you don't know what the weather's going to be, especially in a place like Boston in April. Right. It, it's really hit and miss. I mean, it was just extreme from one year to the next. But Ottawa, I think, is a bit more predictable that it's going to be warm and humid so my main thing that I told myself when I came back was that I'm not going to do the Ottawa Marathon and complain about heat and humidity because of my experience in Boston this year so I really prepared for what we had and I compared it a lot to Rio where I trained um, with extra layers of clothing on and I sat in the sauna so that when it came to race day, it didn't actually seem as bad as it was for many other people. Hmm. That's interesting. So uh, the preparation paid off, obviously. You were happy with the outcome? 
Definitely. Yeah, and just tell us a little bit about the race itself and how it went for you. And and this, I think a lot of people were surprised to see you running there because, as you say, you typically run a couple of marathons a year, and you'd just done Boston a few weeks earlier. Right. Well, I just wanted to keep it quiet this time, and so when I came back and asked Dave Scott Thomas, my coach, what he thought about me doing a, another marathon six weeks later, he said, Yep, that sounds good. Take the full week off and don't run at all, and then we'll take it one week at a time, and that's what we did. So a good thing is that I just decided to keep it quiet this time because we were kind of going, you know, just one week at a time, and it was refreshing, right? There was so much activity and media and interviews and everything after Boston last year, which carried through to this year, that it was just nice to have a break from it, just mentally and emotionally, so that... I just went kind of under the radar. I had my own room, which is wonderful, and Manny and the Ottawa Marathon Race um, volunteers were just amazing. So it was just, uh, yeah, it was a good thing for me to go quietly and just get on the start line and just do the race. Yeah, and it obviously went well. Just take us through the event itself. So, uh, yeah, I knew that my main Canadian competition would be Dana and Rachel, and I knew that they were very fit. Uh, In terms of the international field, I didn't look at it too closely, but, you know, everyone's thinking about Tokyo and what it might take to be named to the team. So I knew top five at a gold label race gets you an automatic qualifier, which is as good as a 229.30 or top 10 at a world major or top 10 at world championships. So, you know, you can always um, expect that some international athletes will drop out. And, you know, I was seventh overall, and and top five gets you an automatic qualifier. So that was, um, you know, something that I was prepared to to think about in the race in terms of place. Now, Dana and Rachel, Canadian competition, I knew were very fit. And I just thought, well, the only way that I'm going to get higher than third Canadian is if, the weather is what I was prepared for and and that's what ended up happening so I know it was a tough day for a lot of people out there and um, it it worked out for me in that I had prepared for that heat and humidity so the race went well I just uh, kept focused and I knew I really wanted it you know you don't run a marathon six weeks after another one and just you know kind of go at it 50%. So I really wanted it. And it's always nice to end your season on a good note. So the race was pretty straightforward. I got every single bottle in gel and every bottle I was drinking every drop of that because of the the heat. And then I was pouring water on my head um, just to stay cool. And I was taking the sponges and uh, was able to maintain a decent pace. I slowed a bit in the second half, but I don't think as much as many other people did. Yeah. And and what did it mean to you to have that finish line experience and to be so happy afterwards, uh, after you'd struggled in Boston? Well, you know, at, at the end of every marathon, I, I do like to celebrate and take it in. It's You've got to make it fun and enjoy the sport that you're doing. So I know when I was in Boston, coming down Boylston, Last year was really exciting and just chaotic with everything else that was happening at the time and not knowing I was third, but I certainly took that in. But this year in Boston, you know, I I still decided, you know what, this is Boylston Street, and I'm not going to pout coming down the finish line. I'm going to still take it in. So it's kind of something I've decided to do regardless because I'm healthy and happy, and crossing the line of a marathon is just 
an accomplishment in itself. So, um, yeah, this year I, I did the same thing. You know, I, I finished the Ottawa Marathon six weeks after Boston, and I'm going to soak up the crowd and have fun. And, um, you know, it worked out well, so it was worth celebrating. Yeah, I like what you say, because I always argue that uh, that even if you don't achieve your goals, any day you finish a marathon is a really good day, and you have to look at it that way. Uh, we're we're uh, privileged to be able to run and and to be fit and, and to have the opportunity to cover that distance, and, and we should celebrate that even if we don't accomplish all of our goals. Right, I completely agree. And another thing that we can always look at is how our marathon build and training went leading up to it. So if you know, you were able to handle higher mileage or, you know, your workouts were deeper and faster and you stayed healthy and you tried a few new things that worked well, even if it didn't come together race day, you can still look at that experience and and move forward with with that, moving to the next uh, marathon training build. Yeah, and I know you. We've talked about this before, but you you kind of view uh, where you are now in your career. You view having been to the Olympics and having had some great experiences and some great runs. Uh, you you sort of view all of what you're doing now as a bonus, don't you? Yes, and it's. I mean, that's what makes it fun and exciting. Uh, And it's interesting because after Boston, it just didn't sit well with me because it's tricky to age gracefully at the sport. So I'm still hanging on and I still have the standard for world championships. And, you know, there's always Tokyo team to be looking forward to if, if, you know, depending on how that works out. But um, it, it just left a bit of a feeling like, okay, I still want this. I'm not content with how I did in Boston, and I'm not just going to kind of cruise and just settle for finishing marathons. I still want to compete. So it was, I think, an excellent opportunity for me to know that, you know, I'm still in this game and I can still do well. And moving forward, things like the World Championships in Doha in September and the Olympics in Tokyo in 2020, those are going to be races about more survival in that extreme heat than anything else. So that's exciting as well. I'm not sure that my fastest days are ahead of me. They may be just, you know, stay at 228 from 2013. But I think my wisdom and experience with how I can race when I'm prepared well is definitely a bonus for for me at my age. Right on. That's uh, the great way to look at it, and I know it fits with your your philosophy about life and your faith and and so many other things. Uh, Krista, again, it's it's wonderful to see you so happy at the finish line as I did last week, and and uh, to hear you talking about your future in these terms. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's Krista Duchesne. Coming up next, we'll talk to the coach and runner behind the Macmillan Running Calculator. Travel to Edmonton this August to run the Friendly Marathon. Why? The Service Edmonton Marathon Race Weekend has events for the whole family. A Boston Qualifier Marathon, Half Marathon, Army 10K, 5K, and ABC Kids event. This event takes pride in being more personal, more genuine, more fun. Be in Edmonton, August 17th and 18th, and enjoy running in great temperatures, soak in the River Valley views, and the amazing energy as you race through downtown towards the finish line. Register at edmontonmarathon.ca. It's a great pleasure to welcome back to I Run Radio legendary coach Greg McMillan. Greg is a runner 
exercise scientist and coach. He's helped everyone from Olympic athletes to everyday runners achieve their goals. Greg, great to talk to you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And look, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your journey as a runner and how you turned your passion for running into how you turned it into a vocation in life. Uh, Tell me about that journey and how you got to here. Well, I guess it really just started with me getting so into running when I was in high school. Uh, That's really where I caught the running bug. Even though I'd run a little bit when I was younger and I was successful sort of in elementary school, it was really in high school that the bug bit me. And I think we've all had that experience where you kind of like, wow, I'm a runner. I really want to get better at this. And as a result, I just started reading and studying and listening to anything I could about how to be better at running. And that's what I wanted to study in college, which is what I did. I got an undergraduate and graduate degree in exercise science. So I was very interested in just performance. How can you get better? And mainly it was for myself. It was a selfish interest of wanting to know how can I be a better runner. And, of course, if you're studying exercise science and you're a good runner, I was a good runner. I was state champion in high school and ran in college and have now been national champion. So if you are studying these things, people start asking you questions. And I was all certainly very happy to explain what I had learned through my reading, my own uh, training and racing. And then suddenly they ask you for a workout, and then suddenly they ask you for a training plan, and suddenly they're calling you coach. (laughs) So it wasn't really that I set out to become a running coach. It was more that I set out to understand better how to improve my own running and then just loving the sport so much and being, I think, open to sharing information. And I I was lucky that I was good at writing. I was good at communicating. And so as a result, more and more people were interested in working with me. And then it just got to the point where I was like, well, I might as well just do this. There's enough people that are interested in working with me. I might as well do this as opposed to uh, something else. Yeah. So you, you kind of were brought into it. You were, you were pulled into it rather than pushing your way in. And isn't that the best thing, right? I mean, that's, that's great when the, when the world kind of leads you towards something that just makes sense and is the next logical step for you, right? Yeah, I guess it's kind of following that old Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss idea, where I was just simply interested in the sport and studying it, and then all of a sudden all of these doors began to open where I was obviously getting educated, so I was learning that way, and I was studying with some really great uh, professors, and then I got exposed to being the world's greatest coaches. I toured with Arthur Lydier before he died. Joe Vigil is one of my mentors as well. I've worked a lot with him. So all of these people kind of just came into my life in different ways that informed and helped me learn how to better help all runners. So no matter if they're beginning runner all the way up to athletes in the Olympics, because I've had coached athletes in the Olympics, that whole range I feel really comfortable with now, mainly because I had those experiences when I was younger. Now, you took it to another level, though, because you're, you obviously got into some of the data around running, and, and you created this calculator that allows people to, to enter a half-marathon time, and it will project their marathon time, and vice versa, and just about every distance in between. Uh, and so, obviously, you, you, know, you, you, really, you took your passion deep into the numbers around running as well, right? I did, and really, that was another sort of selfish thing in that I 
when I first started coaching, I always coached a really wide range of runners. I didn't just coach high schoolers. I didn't just coach like really fast people. I didn't just coach people that were just getting into sport and were slower. I always coached a lot of different people. And if you do that, one of the challenges is that if you're working with someone who's the same speed as you, say your 5K or 10K time is similar, then all the training paces make sense to you, right? But if you have to work with somebody who's much faster than you or much slower than you, then it's hard to know what are those paces, how should they, how should I schedule these paces for those different types of runners? So I use my research from graduate school to come up with a method that was what I felt like could prescribe accurately the optimal training paces for all runners, no matter their performance ability, and then also to be able to predict their performances at different race distances because, obviously, as their coach, I was giving them guidance as to, I think this is an appropriate race pace for your upcoming event. And there were different estimators and calculators and predictors available, but none of them sort of worked for what I was doing, which was coaching a really wide range of people and in one sort of simple tool. And so as a result, it was kind of, I just needed it. So I created it and I used it for several years just with my own runners. And then I just happened to put it on my website as part of an article. So it was like page three of a long article on my training system. And then my buddy, who is a computer programmer and helped me put the website up, he said, have you seen the analytics? What's going on on that page? <laughs> well, it ended up it was the calculator page. And yeah. so as a result, we kind of moved it forward, and it kind of a lot of people became aware of me through that free calculator that still exists on the website today, of course. Yeah, and it's very cool. And I, I've used it many times. And I have to tell you, I, I'm amazed at how accurate it is. It's uh, really accurate in the case of predicting some of my times and uh, and how useful it is because, uh, you know, it's this is not just sort of out of interest that people do this, but you kind of have to know what what to strive for and what a realistic target is. If you're do, if you're going to do a marathon or a half marathon and and you're thinking, well, should I aim for this time or this time? What's realistic? It allows you to put in some some recent times that you've run in other races and tells you, look, this is your range, right? So it's actually very helpful. It's not just it's not just for fun. It's not just uh, to sort of you know kind of uh, have a ballpark of of what a, a performance translates to. You can actually use it. Yeah, that's the whole goal is to be able to help runners optimize their training and racing. And I think more information and getting guidance helps sort of calm the mind, right? Because we're all we all want to know the future. <laughs> what can I run? What can my performance level be? Exactly. And this kind of gives us that um, sort of experience, data-driven information to make a good, uh, at least starting guess as to what I can achieve. And then you get the feedback from the training and you can modify. So you can go into your races feeling fairly confident this is a reasonable race pace for me and that is very comforting when you're going into an event where you know you're going to be challenging yourself now you mentioned you work with runners of all different speeds uh, elite runners amateur runners is there a big difference between 
training uh, an elite runner or training somebody who's going to run a four and a half hour marathon. Uh, I know there are some differences, but one of the things I really like about running is that is there actually is quite a lot in common. Even if you're not running super fast, the the training lessons are the same uh, if you're in the front of the pack, the middle of the pack, or the back of the pack. That is so true. And a lot of runners, when they first meet an elite runner or get to talk to somebody who's gone to the Olympics, it only takes a few minutes before they start going, wow, you feel that way too? Wow, it's hard for you too? Wow, you struggle in workouts too? They really start to see that while the speed can be very, very different, the experiences are exactly the same sort of the challenges that you have in training where you have those really great workouts and you feel awesome and then you have workouts that are the opposite of that and you wonder where your fitness has gone to in races where you may struggle uh, even before races with maybe getting really nervous or concerned about are you going to succeed or not or struggling during a race to uh, not be your best. All those kinds of things are consistent no matter your speed. It is really down to I am trying to perform at my maximum across this race distance, and we all kind of experience that the same. So while, yes, their speeds uh, certainly are kind of mind-boggling, and they certainly make it look easy <laughs> when you watch them, but internally they are going through very similar emotions that we do. Yeah, very true. All right, let's talk more about the coaching that you offer because uh, you you obviously work with lots and lots of different clients and help them achieve their goals. And the great thing about our technology today is you don't even have to be in the same place as them. Uh, you might never meet them face-to-face, but you are able to form a relationship and guide them to achieving their objectives as a runner. And uh, you have a new way of doing that recently, right? Yeah, I've been really fortunate to sort of start early in the online coaching world. Uh, when I launched my business was 2001. That was really early in the, the internet world and have been able to kind of leverage technology to help more and more runners because that's the biggest challenge that I faced as a coach was just simply how can I help more runners? I only have so much time during the day to personally coach someone. So being able to leverage technology and build a an online training and coaching platform that allows runners around the world to take advantage of the training system, engage with me when they have questions and need advice has been really rewarding. It's called the McMillan Run Team. Uh, we actually offer a free trial of it, so anybody can go to mcmillanrunning.com and click on the link in the navigation bar to do the free trial, and you can check it out. It includes all of my training plans, all of my prehab or like core strength training plans. I have a full library of how-to videos, how to do workouts, how to adjust workouts, uh, when things uh, come up that you need to make a decision, sort of what the, the decision, uh, the thought processes are that you should do, I send out a weekly check-in email to all the athletes to see how they're doing. I send a weekly video update with some coaching tip or some training strategy that I want them to keep in mind as they go through their training process, and it has been fantastic. It really allows more people to use the training system, get advice, 
and, uh, you know, they can sync it with their watch so that their workouts download from their watch into the training calendar. All of those kinds of bells and whistles that we now have has really made it fun, I think, for the athlete and certainly for me. Well, Greg, it's great to talk to you and to hear your passion for running. I really appreciate you joining us on the show. Thank you so much for your time. You bet. Take care. That's Greg McMillan of McMillan Running. I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.